Is your mental health practice buried in the bottom of Google search results? There's a way out. Simplified SEO Consulting offers a roadmap to search engine success. As mental health professionals, they know how to help therapists attract ideal clients and build a thriving practice. Go to simplifiedseoconsulting.com forward slash modern therapist to learn more and unlock your SEO potential this summer. Considering a transition to private pay? Thryzer can help you transform out-of-network therapy to look and feel like an in-network experience for your clients. Your clients just pay co-insurance for sessions instead of waiting weeks for reimbursement. Thryzer covers the rest of your fees so you get paid in full up front. Check out our special link, join.thryzer.com forward slash modern therapist, and use the code modern therapists to activate $2,500 in free payments with Thryzer. You're listening to the Modern Therapist Survival Guide, where therapists live, breathe, and practice as human beings. To support you as a whole person and a therapist, here are your hosts, Kurt Widhelm and Katie Vernoy. Welcome back, Modern Therapists. This is the Modern Therapist Survival Guide. I'm Kurt Widhelm with Katie Vernoy, and this is the podcast for therapists about the things that go on in our practices, the things that happen in our lives. and you might be able to find out what we're talking about today. You might not, actually. I'm, I'm not going to say anything. No. I mean, so <laughs> nobody said that we're funny, but this is maybe our way of introducing what about no secrets policies? What about no secrets policies? Well, I can't tell you. <laughs> what? It's a secret. Yeah. So I know that this is common terminology out of the couples therapy worlds. There's also a myriad of other things that we're going to get into as far as working with families, working with kids and teens, and what ends up getting communicated to their parents as part of the course of treatment, what's interested parents versus parents who are just completely shut out and... Yes, I acknowledge I'm working with your kid, and that is all contact that we can ever have. So, Katie, I know that our practices have some differences as far as the clients that we see, but what, what kind of secrets do you keep? Let's, let's dish right now. What, what, tell me a secret. <laughs> I don't know that I actually do keep too many secrets. I mostly that, That's with... a terrible introduction as a therapist I in know. a profession that is based on confidentiality. Well, no, but secrets and confidentiality are very different, right? And so maybe that's where we should start is confidentiality is keeping treatment content to yourself, except for the stated exceptions of child abuse, dependent adult abuse, elder abuse, and suicidality, homicidality, or released information. But like the secrets is what you're not telling your client, right? I mean, or what you're not telling the client's parent if they're a, a child, right? So there's that that piece of no secrets means that you're not keeping secrets in the treatment room, correct? Well, I'm asking you what is your policy. So this is something where well, I wanted to define what no secrets is, though. That's what I'm saying. It's like well, what what uh, what, what, think... what are you talking about? Some people know, most people most people know, but some people don't. I think that this is an important rule number one, takeaway number one from the top of the episode here is have a clearly defined no secrets policy for your practice. Okay. Whatever that may be, 
define it. So that way, take away number two. There's only three takeaways in the whole episode. We're so giving people, two we're of them. We're giving you for free. two of them right at the top of the episode. Also, make sure that your clients understand what your policy is. Okay. From the beginning of treatment. Okay. But generally, what people loosely call a no secrets policy is I'm not going to keep secrets from the other partner or the other family member or whatever. Like, no secrets broadly is that. I think that's not helpful for folks who haven't created one before. And so I think the the depth that we're going to go into is about how you might design your no secrets policy and what the the nuance of it is so that you can understand a, a more complete picture of it. And okay. tra- traditionally, and I, I think, you know, this is where you were potentially going is traditionally no secrets policy is in relational therapies, whether it's yeah. couples work or families work. I think it is important to point out that confidentiality for minors in, in those treatments is still the the standard there. So a lot of this discussion is going to focus mostly on couples and family work. We'll talk a little bit about working with minors towards the end of the episode here. So traditionally, I think most no secrets policies boil down to if somebody who is a part of the treatment unit mm-hmm makes a communication with the therapist that that information, if clinically relevant to the treatment, needs to be shared with the entirety of the treatment unit. So if a partner of a couple reaches out to a therapist between sessions and says, hey, I'm having an affair. I I don't, you know, I, I don't have any plans on changing what my marriage is. I also really like this affair that I'm having. I just think that it's important for you to know as my therapist that this is something that I'm balancing out. Your no secrets policy would be like, we got to tell your partner. Yeah. I don't know that that means that you have to tell the partner immediately or that the therapist needs to call the partner immediately and say like, oh, I just heard this thing. Like it, it can be, let's work together on how you tell your partner what you've shared here. Okay, if I'm the hypothetical caller in this situation to be like, yeah, I'll tell her the next like couple of presidential election cycles. Like <laughs> eventually this will come up, but not not immediate. Like I got some stuff to figure out. Well, I think that's where it gets challenging, right? Like I think there's that element of you need to enforce your no secrets policy and whatever that looks like, but do you give a date? Do you say like, okay, well, that's fine, but I'm telling your partner on this date if you haven't said it before. I mean, like there's there's a point at which, you know, the treatment relationship starts getting really complicated because you oh, know absolutely. something that the partner doesn't know. You're kind of in a power struggle with the other partner because they're not willing to tell their partner. I mean, like it it's something where that becomes very, very challenging, I would imagine. So the partner, That's why I don't like to do couples work. <laughs> uh, the partner shows up in session and is like, I don't know where they are all the time. Like they seem to just disappear for like hours on end. They turn their phone off. They stop sharing their location. Like I'm really concerned that they're having an affair. Like, mm-hmm. so you're sitting there with knowledge that these fears are happening. You become complicit. It's all, all of the reasons yeah. that you talk about not wanting to do this. So for these no secrets kinds of situations, it's 
very important that there's kind of some sort of structure that you follow through on because, again, it helps to define the unit of treatment here. If this is the couple, then you're not just aligning with one half of the couple with this kind of information. Sure. And I've had some of my individual clients who are in couples therapy share something with their couples counselor and the couples counselor responds via email and has both partners on it, right? Like it's, I got this information. This is my response. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so some folks are pretty, pretty, I don't know, rigid seems like the wrong word, but pretty They follow through on their policies. Yeah, pretty structured on it, right? I think there, there's, there's also the possibility of continuing to support each relationship while also implementing the policy, right? And, and I think it probably is determined based on which, what type of information is being shared and how that would impact the individual who shared it as well as the individual who hasn't heard it. I mean, I feel like there's, there's potentially some artistry on complying with your policy, enforcing your policy, and allowing for human messiness to be navigated in the interim. So do you have an example? It was just what I had said, like talking to the partner saying, this is not a secret I can keep. And they, you know, and, and assuming that they've already known about the policy, they know this will be my response and talking about how do you share this with your partner? You know, you should be the one to tell them, but I will tell them. And so let's talk through how I can support you in sharing this information because you probably told me because you really want your partner to know. Right. Mm-hmm. So like I think it's it's getting to the place of supporting the healthiest form of communication versus you potentially being triangulated into that relationship where all of a sudden now it's your responsibility to tattle or not say like it feels like you get into a very untenable situation very quickly and are very triangulated into that dynamic of whatever's going on. Feeling like your ideal clients just can't find you online? There's a better way with Simplified SEO Consulting. They're a team of mental health marketing specialists who understand the unique challenges therapists face in the digital world. Forget wasting time on confusing SEO tactics that leave you feeling frustrated and out of the loop. Simplified SEO Consulting offers a range of proven solutions to fit your practice needs, from DIY courses that empower you to take control, to done-with-you coaching that provides expert guidance at every step, to their individualized done-for-you SEO plans that let you focus on your clients while they handle the details. Plus, they have an innovative content network program that has set practices across the country apart from the rest. When you're ready to start showing up in front of your ideal clients online, the expert team at Simplified SEO Consulting is ready for you. Visit SimplifiedSEOConsulting.com forward slash modern therapist to schedule your free consultation and find the perfect SEO plan to unlock the full potential of your practice. Don't forget to mention Modern Therapist Survival Guide podcast for $100 off your done-for-you SEO onboarding, or use code MODERNTHERAPIST for 20% off a DIY SEO course this summer. So at this point, I'm going to ask you, what is the the secrets policy that you have for your practice? Well, let's start, let's start with couples work. I know that you and I see minimal amounts of of couples, but in the scant smattering of couples that you've seen across your career, what is it that you talk with them about as far as your policy on this? 
I'm not going to I'm not going to go to the couples policy because I feel like that's such old like I don't know what I did and it was like 15 years ago but I, I I want to respond to what I do with my clients and so I have individual clients that will bring in their partner as a collateral and okay. and so I'll, I'll I that's that's what I can speak to you right now and so what I do with there is I say I have a no secrets policy you can certainly call and talk to me and give me information but I will show I will share that with my client. And so I'm open to receiving information. I'm open to, to being in conversation here, but I will not, I'm not holding your information separate from my client. So I'm very clear on that. And I think part of what you're alluding to there and maybe even getting more specific of like, you are the extra to my client sessions. This yes. is not couples work. This is still individual work. Yeah. You just happen to have a guest starring role in these sessions. Yes. Yeah. But you've you've actually worked with couples more recently. What is the the no secrets policy that you have? I don't have a absolute no secrets policy if okay. for couples work with me. And I'm very explicit with this at the very beginning of treatment. Mm -hmm. And my my secrets policy is I, I have a general no secrets policy that when there is clinically relevant information brought up by one partner or the other, that needs to be addressed by the treatment unit in the reasonable subsequent number of sessions. You know, not everything needs to be brought up right this second. I want to give myself a little leeway to be able to help in. But the exception that I'm absolutely upfront about is I do not follow this policy when it comes to interpersonal violence. If there is domestic violence going on, I will absolutely work with the partner who is being battered and helping them to determine what their safety options are in a way that helps to make sure that they're not going to end up under some kind of peril. That makes a lot of sense. I can see that being if it's just kind of like this is my policy and it's very specific and not off the you know not like just offhand, but like this is my policy and this is how it works. I think with many couples, they will just kind of roll right with it. But couples that do have intimate partner violence within them, that may almost immediately start some some interesting you know, kind of clinically relevant conversation uh, almost from the, from the top. So I think it, it feels like it's pretty standard to throw that in there. It's a really good exception. And I think it also is something that can give you a little bit more information, even right up at the top of treatment with a couple. So I like that. And I think it follows through on where our field is and has been for quite a while, which is domestic violence is not one of the places where we remain neutral. And yeah. Yeah. so that that's kind of where if you do have an absolute no secrets policy sort of thing, you might want to consider updating it. And because I know a lot of us aren't going to work with clients who are actively, we're not going to work with couples who are actively engaged in domestic violence, but just being able to give yourself all of the clinically and reasonably predictable kinds of options for yourself here. So that's a no secrets policy within couples therapy. And then I talked about mine that was kind of the ad hoc collateral therapy. The other one that's really, I think, pretty standard would be family therapy. And there's family therapy with kids and family therapy with that adult family therapy. We have a great episode with Adriana Rodriguez about that. So 
What are you, you do a lot more family work with kids. Let, let's start with the easier where everybody's an adult. Okay. Let's start with it. Let's start with that. Okay. So I think it's going to be pretty similar to working with couples. If everybody is an adult, everybody has the capacity to consent if a member of the treatment team or a member of the treatment unit reaches out to the therapist with clinically relevant information, it should be discussed how that is going to be brought up to the entire treatment unit. Yeah. No, no questions asked. It's basically the same thing as working with a couple. Everybody's adults here. We're going to treat everybody like they're adults. I want to to dig into that for just a minute because I I as you were talking I kind of was picturing what happens when I was you know doing a lot of group therapy and I would have someone bring something up that was relevant to the group and and how do we talk, bring that back to the group but then what about if someone is bringing something that's clinically relevant for them as an individual might have small ripples into the family the family concerns but really is maybe needing their own therapist or their own therapy session. Like it feels like there is a little bit of critical thinking that needs to happen around that. Cause I could see adult, you know, kind of kids in the family coming out or sharing, you know, something that's very difficult or, or something that, you know, I guess that's actually clinically relevant to the treatment unit. But like, I think that there's, there are potentially things that are not completely directly relevant to the treatment unit that could be shared in that situation. I know the the way that a lot of these things are brought up in a lot of discussions, whether it's law and ethics classes or yeah. CE workshops and those kinds of things, is like, here is a three snippet vignette. Now make it a very complicated treatment plan on how you're going to handle these things. And I would venture to guess that most of the time you're going to speak more at length with the person reaching out to you and all of those wonderful things that we wish yeah. that those those vignettes would allow for us to do. Hopefully that is something that's afforded between you and a, a person like this that you're bringing out as far as how are we going to bring this up to the family unit because we do have this policy in place, this potentially puts me in a position where I go against the policy, which is unfair to everyone in the room. Mm -hmm. And in order to be consistent with it, we need to come up with a game plan as far as what you are going to work on in individual therapy, how much and how much in depth this is going to be as far as the family treatment unit. So kind of being able to work through all of the different options so that way this particular member of a family can opt in in the best way that they can. I agree. I also think an, another element to this is you made it very clear in your policy, for example, is that this is clinically relevant to the treatment unit. Yeah. And so I think it's it's potentially if in that conversation really sorting out what is relevant to your family versus what do you need to take back to your individual therapist and how do I how do I navigate that with you? Because I think the the clinical relevance here doesn't it is kind of where your policy gives you a little leeway in that situation where you have an adult kid that's telling you something that may or may not be relevant to the family and you can give them support as a mental health provider, getting them connected to their right resources. Yeah. Yes. So I think the other, the other piece to that is my assumption is that means that you don't work individually with members of families in addition to doing family work. 
in, not, in, not, 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 not simultaneously. Adults. No, uh, there's too much space for dual relationships gone bad that yeah. can happen there. I might work subsequently where a person in the family wants to continue working with me individually after family work is done, but not simultaneously. Because I know that there are some, even couples counselors that will also work with one or both partners. And so I think there's, there's a, just to kind of, for our, our, you know, kind of newer clinicians, there are a lot of different ways that folks handle this. Yes. And I would say you need to be absolutely clear at the beginning of treatment on what the treatment unit is, because I do know couples counselors who work with the couple. They'll have individual sessions occasionally with each of the individual members of a couple, but it's still about their relationship. And that is still all couples work. Sure. And it's also treatment orientation, right? Like it depends on how you work, but a no secrets policy becomes very different when there's also the overlay of confidentiality from individual sessions. And so I think you make it less complex. You don't work with other members of the family at the same time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I think that there is there are there are ways potentially to be able to hold that as long as you're clear on the treatment, you know, the treatment unit, you're clear on the work that you're doing, and you're clear with all the members of the policies that you hold. But you know, because the reason I, I was thinking about that is is with group, I've had group members who worked with other therapists and also members of the group who worked with me. And so very different because these are not people that are in each other's lives except in group. So it's not it doesn't have that same level. But there is that confidentiality element that can be pretty complicated when you're working with a person in more than one setting. And, and so and, and maybe there's a, a whole other conversation that, that that's out, out of the scope of this one. But I, I, I feel like this is it is it can get complicated. And, and the concern is, I think, triangulation. Yeah. Dealing with triangulation is why you have these policies in the first place is Absolutely. to prevent you from being triangulated in or being triangulated in for too long. And this, again, comes out of family systems theories of how the relationships need to happen and those kinds of things. But part of triangulation is just a fancy way of being put in the middle. Yeah, yeah, more or less. Yeah. (laughs) But that's why you have these policies in the first place is to make it to where the difficulties and the patterns that are happening in the relationship happen in the relationship that you're not just kind of somebody that a couple or a family comes to and it's just like, all right, fix our problem. This is teaching them how to change those patterns. It does get complex even around triangulation because a member of the couple, a member of the family can share something and refuse to tell the family or, or their partner and put you in the place of being the person that has to disclose the news. And so in some ways, there are times when holding the secret keeps you out of out of triangulation, and there's times when disclosing keeps you out of triangulation. <laughs> <laughs> and so, I, I feel like there's it's it's a very challenging situation if you have an overly rigid policy because your policy could be weaponized against you. I guess yeah, is what I'm saying. Exactly. Yeah. And, and again, that's where being clear with your policy and being making sure that everybody understands it at the outset of treatment helps to prevent a lot of this. This is that ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure sort of stuff. Sure. Moving on, 
this does get a little bit more difficult when the families that you work with include minors and children and and uh, teenagers and that kind of stuff yeah. and especially when information is kind of portrayed as like these are couples relationship issues but our unit of treatment is the entire family so parents who are considering divorce but have been engaged in family therapy with teens or even young children around we'll say behavior or emotional issues that are coming out to the kids this is a lot more of where my practice is aligned and i recognize that there are clinically relevant things that need to happen at solely a parent level there are clinically relevant things that happen between parents and older children this is not diminishing that there's clinically relevant things that happen between parents and young children but not everybody in the room is going to have the capacity to understand or engage in all of the different levels that may arise in uh, these various scenarios and i think that it is part of the work to help the parents, for example, in this this situation, to work with them on how best to disclose this information to the rest of the family. I mean, it, I feel like it is important information for you to have. Kids aren't ready to hear it or the parents aren't ready to share it. Like it feels like you do have to work in the background on this. And I guess this goes to you don't have to immediately disclose with your policy. You just, you know, you're not holding the secret for indefinitely. But to me, that feels like that's the work, right? It's like, hey, this is something that's very clinically relevant and you need to tell your kid at some point, let's talk about the timeline, let's talk about how you can get to that place. What are the the best practices on how you share? Here's my additional expertise knowing your kid and how your family operates. Like, I think that work happening separate makes a lot of sense. Absolutely. And part of explaining this at the beginning of treatment, especially to uh, kids and teens, is, hey, sometimes there's going to be conversations that we direct just back to your parents to deal with solely at a parental level. And that's part of the decisions that I will help make with them. But if there are things that do need to be discussed as an entire family... I'll be the first one to push your parents to this is a family conversation. If you've been considering switching to private pay and are unsure how to attract and retain clients, Thryzer can be your best resource. How? Thryzer actually helps you transform out-of-network therapy to look and feel like an in-network experience for clients with out-of-network benefits. First, Thryzer can help clients instantly verify their out-of-network benefits, providing them complete transparency on the cost of therapy ahead of their first session. Then, just by charging your clients via Thryzer's payment platform, you can automatically submit claims for them, offload all the insurance stress onto Thryzer, and even let your clients just pay their co-insurance for sessions, similar to in-network co-pays, to help them afford therapy upfront and skip the long reimbursement wait. Thryzer covers the rest of your fees, so you get paid in full up front and waits for reimbursement on your client's behalf. They also have a Superbill Uploads feature, which is completely free for therapists. If you'd like to instead offer your clients a resource to manage their own Superbills, they manage all claims end-to-end, so you or your clients don't need to deal with any of the insurance stress. Visit join.thryzer.com forward slash modern therapist to get started and use our promo code modern therapists to start your free trial and receive waived fees for your first $2,500 in payments. 
I think this can also happen in the reverse direction. I can think about a teen coming out or, or, or some something going on at a teen level or even a kid level where, you know, how they reach out to you or how that shows up. I think that's hard. Like, you know, parents potentially have more access, but a teen might have access to you, even if it's primarily family therapy and share something. And to me, immediately disclosing that to the parents is also as clinically harmful as immediately disclosing divorce to kids and parents who are not ready to share. And so I think that some of that work can happen in the background, but I think this is where having consultation or, or some mechanism to really talk through, is this, hey, the teen needs a separate individual therapist at this point, or is this something where you can work with the teen to be able to prepare them, right? Like, I, I feel like this is where the complexity of what the treatment unit is and how you really set things up are going to depend so much on the individual case. Absolutely. So this... That is where, when you're working individually with kids and teens, there's yeah. another layer of nuance with this. And again, from the very beginning of treatment, I implore you, define who the treatment unit is and how you're going to be working and how you're going to be communicating with everybody involved. Yeah. I mean, I think f for me, when I was working with kids and teens, it was always almost immediately in the first session with everyone present. I talked about confidentiality as well as what confidentiality I was holding for the kid, honoring parents have a right to know, but for the effectiveness of the treatment, I am going to keep confidentiality with your kiddo. Except for these things, right? Like in explaining what those are, like if, you're if your kid's in danger or if there's something going on that, that, you need to know. I start off when we've identified that, all right, this is a person. I mean, and this gets even stronger with the laws in California here, but if it's a minor that I'm working with, I say, you, the minor child, you are my client. Here is what confidentiality is. Confidentiality is the guarantee of privacy except for you know, mandated breaches of confidentiality, permitted breaches, whatever. And your parents care for you and they're going to want to know about treatment or they're going to share things about treatment from time to time. And I can't prevent them from communicating with me. They can email me. They can leave voicemails. They can yell things at me when I come to the waiting room to pick you up. Like I will handle any of those instances by starting our session with, here's the information that I found out from your parents. I got an okay. email from your mom. I got a phone call from your mom about this. That way, you know what I know. And it may be something that we have to talk about. It may just be, here is me sharing with you what I know. I can't prevent people from communicating with me about you. Is there an age at which that is not the case? Where kids are young enough where bringing that up at the at the top of the the um, session is counterproductive. The youngest clients that I'm working with right now are six or seven-ish, and I absolutely bring that up with them. Okay. So I'm, I'm sure that there may be instances where much younger kids have this kind of stuff come up, but as it pertains to the, the kids that I see in my practice, I don't see any problem with, hey, here's just something that I know about. Now, I'm also very clear with 
kids and parents that I'm not a pipeline of communication from what happens in session to needing to tell parents what's going on. This is confidentiality 101. There may be times that I encourage the the child to talk with their parents about things. It may be even a conversation that's assisted by me, but there are still kind of those, hey, we want to check in on our child's treatment without our child here conversations. My policy on that is when those are scheduled, I want to have a conversation with your child before I talk with you as parents. So that way I can talk with the kid about what they're okay with me talking about versus here's what they absolutely want kept secret. So it's it's basically a very fluid consent or assent when it comes to kids who don't fully understand all the complexities of this. But it's it's basically like a release of information, just like, hey, I want to be clear with the kid before I talk with the parents of here's what's allowed to be talked about. I, I would say the one caveat that I have to all of this is I do ask for blanket permission from kids to be like, can I talk with your parents about billing stuff without you involved in every single one of those conversations? And I've never had a kid be like, I refuse to let you talk with my parents solely about billing stuff. It's so interesting hearing you talk about this because I, I feel like I, I have fairly similar policies, but I think it's, I, I haven't worked with kids in quite some time. So this is a much older information as far as me thinking back, but I feel like I was much more fluid with it and less, I, I don't even know what the right word is, less detailed in that, uh, that policy. <laughs> you know, like I assumed it was assumed that the parents would be who I would be talking about billing with. And so I wasn't getting permission from the client, you know, the the 10 year old to talk to their parents about billing, <laughs> you know, like, I feel like there, there, there's, there's stuff where it kind of, it felt like it flowed more, but I appreciate with your very clear and detailed policy that the kids feel very supported. Yeah. And for me, maybe part of it is just coming out of the behavioral background that I do of just kind of like, I'm going to clearly define the rules and then we're going to follow the rules. Yeah. But there may be situations that come up with some kind of billing things where I don't even absolutely follow that policy strictly. And I'm talking about things like a change of diagnosis that mm. might show up on a super bill that needs to warrant discussion with the child first. Sure. And I'm okay with making that not like a explicit thing very upfront because that could be very clinically relevant material that a child is not ready to have their parents be aware of. And it reaffirms that the client is at the center of the treatment, not their parents, even if their parents yeah. are the ones paying the bills. I think that's what a lot of folks get kind of pulled into. And maybe, I mean, I, we, we're out of time and we're kind of off into more confidentiality for, for kids <laughs> versus right. no secrets. There's a lot of complexity when there's a treatment team that's more complex um, or when the unit of treatment is the kid and there's, you know, lots of caregivers involved and there's those types of things. And so I feel like, you know, maybe another episode on working with kids and and the kind of the logistics around that and how to make it less uh, onerous so more folks might get back into working with kids again. But to me, it just, it seems like there's just a, a very concrete, clear way that you handle these policies. And I know there's been times in the past where I've been a little bit less concrete and I have gotten a little bit triangulated or I have gotten into that complex situation. 
I think most of those things worked out fine and, and we don't need to go into them here, but I feel like that it can be hard as a clinician in a very empathic relationship with a client to always fall back to that more behavioral, like these are the rules I got to follow them. And so I think that is a good reminder for folks, like have a policy, make it very clear, make sure your folks understand it and enforce it. If you want to further this conversation, please follow us on our social media or join our Facebook group, the Modern Therapist Group, where you can talk about secrets. Uh, well, at least no <laughs> secrets. You can talk about no secrets. Yeah, but don't share confidential information in a Facebook group. Exactly. We will, yeah. we will delete those posts. And if you like the content you want to support us, please consider becoming a patron or supporting us on Pie Me a Coffee. And until next time, I'm Kurt Woodhelm with Katie Vernoy. Feeling stuck with SEO for your therapy practice? There's hope. Head to simplifiedseoconsulting.com forward slash modern therapist and unlock your website's SEO potential with Simplified SEO Consulting. Use code modern therapist for a discount and mention the Modern Therapist Survival Guide podcast for a special offer on done for you SEO this summer. Let's build your dream practice together. Charge your full rate with confidence with Thryzer. Thryzer takes care of 100% of the insurance stress and helps your clients skip the long reimbursement wait giving you a powerful tool to attract and retain out-of-network clients with ease. Check out our special link, join.thrizer.com forward slash modern therapist, and use the code modern therapists to activate $2,500 in free payments with Thrizer. Thank you for listening to the Modern Therapist Survival Guide. Learn more about who we are and what we do at mtsgpodcast.com. You can also join us on Facebook and Twitter. And please don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss any of our episodes. 